You're listening to ViewSource, a conversation around tech, web development, and WordPress with hosts Ruba Ahmed, that's me, and Brian Kortz. Hello, hello. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm watching my internet bandwidth and I'm making sure that it's living up to its very expensive potential. So how I'm doing is a proxy for how my internet bandwidth is doing today. <laughs> yes, we'll see how the gigabit internet works out. Yeah, I think two sales techs, two sales tech representatives just uh, uh, basically swindled me. And uh, you know what? If it works, <laughs> it works. Then I'm happy to be swindled. That's fair. That's fair. Sometimes it's okay to give in. Only if it works, though. Otherwise, you have to go back and complain, which is also annoying. But yeah, and to be fair, is. there's only one internet here, so uh, you know, I guess I'm paying all for the choice it. you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about GitHub Copilot. Mm. Should I explain what GitHub Copilot is? Yeah, I think so. Okay. GitHub Copilot is an AI code pair programmer, I guess is the word they use for it. It's mm. a little kind of robot that sits in your code editor and he has suggestions for code and he uh, has um, some skills like auto completing your code or letting you write comments and then completing all that code for you. Um, yeah. And he's a new service from GitHub. Is it a he? Is it a he? Is that the pronoun that they've decided on? <laughs> that is, um, I mean, wow. Um, that's a good yeah. question. Uh-huh. Let's go with they. Let's. <laughs> okay. Then here is my question for you. When you use voice assistants, do you have genders for them? And also, do you say please and thank you to them? Hmm. I... I do say please, but I don't think I've ever said thank you. And I never, I don't think I ever use pronouns for Siri because I have an iPhone. I'll just be like, mm -hmm. Siri's being dumb or Siri's not working. Why won't Siri work? Yeah, I don't think I ever use pronouns for the assistant. Do you? Uh, yeah. Uh, we, in our house, we say please and thank you to her. We use we use Siri a lot for like timers. I'm like a, Oh, you know what? I took, Thanks. I had Siri in here and I took her out. So I should be good. We use her for like the timer in the kitchen, like the little home pod. And when the yeah. timer goes off, we say, thank you. And she says, don't mention it or something like that. She has like an That's Irish true. accent for some reason. Um, I, Mine is a British male. Oh yeah. I well, know there's a whole psychology. Presenting. On yeah. The, the, the comfort people have with male virtual assistants versus email. Mm. So to return to GitHub Copilot, I think in my mind, when I looked at the um, little avatar thing that they made for, it's like, it's like a little helmet guy, like a little aviator helmet. I don't know why. I mean, I know why it's an entire like yeah. history and a cultural <laughs> like programming that I have <laughs> that yes. I just turned him into. I, I'm just like, if we asked, you know, chat GPT, to describe a computer programmer or make a, an image of one, it would be a image of a male, you know, that's just a, I mean, I would hope that chat GBT is a little more progressive than that and understands that it should maybe be not any gender, but you're right. You never know. I, 
I have very low expectations that <laughs> any of these AIs will give you anything other than, I mean, all they do is take what they, you know, what they've been given. Yeah. They're culturally yeah. programmed just like I am. But that's why I have to argue back and be like, no, yes. you can't just automatically assume it's a he. We are past the time. I think I saw this on Macedon uh, just the other day where it's like there was a time when he and him were like what we used when we didn't know someone's pronouns. But now we have a better like term that we can use that we've all kind of accepted, which is they and them, right? When we don't want to know or don't know someone's gender. Yeah. And I don't know, like part of me wants to, I guess it doesn't, in my mind, I think I'm giving GitHub Copilot, like I'm like giving it personality. I'm anthropomorphizing it basically mm -hmm, and giving mm -hmm. it human characteristics. So my brain will just make the leap to also giving it a gender and it'll just pick the gender that's what yeah. you would say, like the default for someone like me to pick, which is like, oh, he's clearly a guy. Cause he's, you know, that's where my brain is going to go. And that's what like my 30 plus years on this earth have like hammered into me. So I appreciate you pushing back on that because uh it's a, definitely a male thing maybe or like maybe it's a brian thing no it's definitely not just a brian thing nah. but like i never that doesn't happen to me like i don't automatically mm -hmm. subs like give something a gender and like i have to like physically like consciously say oh do i want to give this thing a gender and then i give it a gender if i so wish like i don't think of even though I also think of the co-pilot as sort of like a personality, the thing that's happening in my machine, I almost never would say he, I would be like, Oh my God, co-pilot. It is so cool. Not he is so cool. I think I feel bad saying it. Obviously there's, we can use <laughs> they, them pronouns for co-pilot. I think would be maybe where I would lean. Yeah. I can't imagine it's just a Brian thing. I'm sure. I, I think there's, no, this is such not the, <laughs> topic of our podcast, but I do think like when I think of the way that like my childhood was and the way we would use, you know, homophobic slurs or racial slurs yeah. or whatever, just in everyday conversation across everybody in a school or something like that, you know, and you're yeah. like, oh, that was like normal only until, I mean, not normal, it was terrible, but it was like, that was, that was just life for so many of us that like, you know, it takes a little time to be, right. to break out of that, that habit. And like the things that even like a few years ago, you're like, well, that's crazy. So I think it's I good. Think it I think it's good to bring like, it up. Yeah. I think it sounds like we might do an episode just on like gender <laughs> in tech. <laughs> yeah. That and would also involve like a lot of history. me not talking. <laughs> oh, but like, just like where it all comes from kind of, and our own experience with it. But anyway, now we know what Copilot is, so that's good. What are your thoughts on it? Did you try it? Yes, I tried Copilot. Um, I I really was positively surprised by mm. Copilot because I really did not think that something would be able to like, I don't even use code snippets that often, like pre-programmed. Right. I just feel like, uh, but then that's like most of what Copilot was when I was using it. It's like, here's a yeah. snip, like you start writing, here's the rest of what we think you're going to write. But like, 
we also know what variables you've been using on this page. We also know mm -hmm. what, um, you know, libraries you're using. We also know like all these other things. And it's like the smart snippet. It's insane. Yeah. Do you use it? Yeah. So I started using it a little while ago and I, 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 I pay for it now. Like I don't want to code without it. It's freaking awesome. Um, it like, sometimes I just like, will write a comment about something that's some, like something really basic, like, like customizing the query in WordPress. Be like, just customize this for me to do like 24 posts. And then it will make me the function. It'll follow like the way I write the names of my functions and it will just do it. And I'm like, great. I knew how to do that, but I didn't have to write it because it's something I do all the time. And it's fantastic. That's, I have not gotten, there's actually, there's only been one time where I started naming a function and it was like, sit down. I'll write yes. this function for you. And it did. <laughs> and it was, and it was even like the example was, it was like a social sharing link and it was like a function. Like I pass you a link and you return like the Facebook link or whatever. And yeah. it knew that Facebook doesn't take, uh, you can't like send text with a link. You can mm -hmm. only just send a link. Whereas like LinkedIn, you can send like some right. little text with it or a tweet or whatever. It's like, it yeah. knew all those things. I mean, it doesn't know it, but it's just like, well, of course, this this function has been written a thousand times before. So it was exactly. like, yeah, you're not breaking new ground here. Yeah. I tested it with one of the APIs that I use a lot. So there's this simple MailChimp API wrapper for PHP that I use whenever, whenever I'm integrating like a site with MailChimp. And I said, okay, use Drew M's MailChimp API and here's the API key. And I want to subscribe to this list. I wrote that in a comment and it just did it. And all That's I had insane. to do was pull the API like file into my project and that's it. That wow. is, it's just, um, it, it kind of, it kind of freaked me out because mm -hmm. I think there's a sense that like, Oh, this is not a job that a, like a, a robot could do. And, and like you, yeah. I do think the other flip side of it is like, if you kind of don't know what you're doing, you're probably not going to get what you need. And you're, cause oh, I, yeah. I found that I constantly had to go in and like, oh yeah, I need to fix this part or change this little part. But it's like, mm -hmm. I'll change like 10 characters, but you wrote like a thousand characters for me. It's definitely right. efficient, but like you still have to go through each line and kind of be like, yeah, that's not exactly right. Or I don't want my variables named that way or whatever. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It's, it was almost scary. Yeah. And it learns from you for sure, because I was having that issue too in the beginning where it was naming variables in a way that I didn't like, and I kept fixing it. And then it just started doing it right. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's definitely learning from the code that you're like committing. And also because of the fact that it's trained on like everything open source and we work in WordPress and so much of WordPress code is open source you know, talk about like plugins, the actual core, Gutenberg, everything that it just, it knows the protocols. It knows the standards that we are expecting and it can just use that to give you the right stuff. It's yeah. I also yeah. tested it with Laravel cause I was working on like a Laravel project yeah. and it was even Laravel like live wire, which is I mm -hmm. think relatively new and like pretty like bespoke of like a, a way to build things, you know, like it's, it's very specific, you know, to build That's a true. live wire component for Laravel. And, yeah. but there's a lot of that stuff where you just go like, all right, here's my model create. Here's all the variables I need to pass it. I need to declare them up here. I need to pass them mm -hmm. here. And it is sometimes I feel like 
you hit that point in programming where you're like, oh, this isn't really that fun because I'm just writing. It's like, just write faster. Just like get it out yeah. and let me like yeah. keep moving. And it like, it flips that switch to where you're like, cool. It declared all the variables. It knew what they were going to be. Mm-hmm. It completed all the lines of code. Sometimes it's wrong, yeah. but like in a minor way, I mean, yeah. so yeah, I, it definitely gets very aware of your code very quickly. Yeah. You know, I think it's a little bit like going from an abacus to like a TI-83 calculator, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it helps you do the stuff that's super mundane really quickly, but you still have to know how to do it in order to be able to make any like good use of it. You know what I mean? Like instead of you having to do this small, tiny things, you can think a little bit more higher level, think about your code more strategically and let it do the simple everyday common tasks. It's like a, what do they call it? in like, you know, like, a like grunt work. It's the grunt work. Yes. Yeah. But like, does that for you? This is where I kind of go back and forth because on the one hand, it's like when they were like laying out newspapers and they were literally cutting and pasting and like gluing yeah. the, the articles together. And then somebody invented like layout software and like, clearly mm-hmm. it makes everybody more efficient. Maybe some people lose jobs, maybe certain skills and stuff, but like also st- there is like a path where you kind of do have to get through grunt work to like get Mm. good at something. And like, yeah, I don't think that's going to go away, but it just, it'll definitely change. I think the dynamic because like the skill you're learning is, is just going to be a different skill than like sitting down and just writing some code. It's, you know, when your code writes, starts to write itself, I feel like that changes the, your relationship with grunt work that maybe was necessary as part of the learning process? Well, maybe it will change the way we have to learn instead, right? Like instead of having to just learn, actually learn how to do it, we still have to understand the high level concepts and then be able to assess and evaluate better. Because something that I've always noticed with junior developers is that they're not very good at like assessing their own code or even anyone else's code, right? And that's a skill you develop over time as you look at your own code and you look at other people's code and you learn how to read code better. But if you have an AI reading, writing the code for you, you are forced to read it. Maybe you will start to develop those skills earlier. Yeah, that's probably a good point. To do it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that is like, that's like the thing. Like if you look back at a project you wrote a year ago and you don't mm-hmm. like cringe a little bit, then like, yes, that's not a good, you know, like, like that's where you want to be. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think I constantly have that feeling of, I just want to code faster, but I don't want to like feel stressed, but I do want to just get more stuff done. Cause you're like, there's so many mm-hmm. things I want to do, build, create yeah. projects I want to work on. I don't really want to spend 20 hours if I could spend three hours and then get to do another thing and another thing. And it's a little bit weird that it enables that, but I hope it's Do you think it's a bad thing? It's like, do you think it's bad that we have this? Um, well, I think there's a conversation about ethics to be had. Mm -hmm. Um, but apart from that, I think... I think that it's definitely going to change what it means to write code. I think that's Mm. a crucial part. I think it's going to just increase the amount of code that's out there. 
and it becomes harder and harder. If you're writing so much code, but you're not even really writing it, you know, right. it, it's like the Google algorithm where like they say like no single Google engineer really can describe the entire thing because they all just work yeah. on these little pieces of it. It's too big for a human brain. I, you know, right. those are the things I don't, I don't think I articulated even a single thought of why that's bad, but it feels bad when I say it out loud. <laughs> I think that we as humans are just not very good at trusting things that feel bigger than us and bigger than what we can grasp in our own brains, like you just said. But I think that that's a fallacy because almost everything in the world is bigger than we can grasp in our brains. It's just that we have this ability to focus on just the parts that are relevant to us. And when we're forced to face the fact that we can't, that's scary, but it's a reality that's everywhere. I mean, do you really know everything that goes on in order to make the Wi-Fi happen in your particular room? Everything. But we did start this conversation saying that AI is constantly just reinforcing our own terrible cultural biases, including my mm -hmm. gender biases that I <laughs> promise you. In fact, um, there was an article recently where um, someone we know basically did, you know, one of those image generators and it like changed yeah. her race and gender and stuff in just crazy ways. And, and it over-sexualized all the images and stuff. And it was all these things, but it was all these biases because it's only training on human data. So, Which is I, flawed and biased. Yeah. And I don't really worry about code. To me, code is not art that I think. I'm as worried about it, but like the products mm. we build with it, you know, definitely affect everything from like, whether you get bail when you go to jail yeah. or, you know, all those sorts of like your credit score and, and how much you're paying for the same car payment that somebody else would be paying, you know, all these things yeah. are, you know, affected by it. hundred percent, which means it's even more important that we are aware of the bias that we're training our AI on for sure. Yeah. I don't know how I would personally play into that. Like me as a day-to-day -day developer building websites and bespoke apps on the web, I can be aware of it. But like when I think about it, am I doing something that will be training it to do that kind of like enable that kind of bias? I don't know. Uh, I couldn't think of an example in my life where that's happening, but it could be happening and I just don't know it. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. It, I think one really good example for like web developers is like the choices you make around accessibility. Like that's, mm. that's your decision to say like, do I, do I want what I build to, you know, be accessible to everybody regardless of their situation or not. So like, you know, there, right. there are those times for those sorts of decisions that we get to make, but like writing a function that like, you know, reverses an array for you or something like that probably yeah. Exists below the level of like, you know, oppression or anything. I don't know. I guess I haven't yet tried to have it write CSS for me or something that outputs front end code. It would be interesting to see how it handles mm. because that's when the accessibility stuff really kind of visibly yeah. comes into play. So it'd be pretty interesting to try that for sure. Hmm. Good point. Do, do we even want to touch on ethics? I feel like it, once everybody uses GitHub Copilot, they're like, uh, you know, I actually changed my mind about the ethics of AI. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I 
and I'm probably one of those people, but you're like, oh, well, mm. now that I've used it, I look at it a little differently. Do you have an opinion on the, the ethics of I don't think I went it? into it bad, thinking badly about it. You know, like I, when I first heard about it, what I understood it to be is that it's tra- it's being trained on open source code, code that is publicly available. And I don't think that, I mean, I think that's legitimately fine. I mean, if it's using what I'm doing in my private repos as a way to train it, train and become better for other people or replicate code for them, then maybe that's a problem. But if it's using it to just help me and the code that's suggesting for me, that's okay. Which I think is probably what it's doing to some extent because it personalizes how its suggestions to you. And I wanted to do that. But if it's using what it's learning about me in my non-public repos for other people, then I would be like, okay, maybe this is not okay. You know? I think I understand. So, I mean, on the one hand, it's like I'm using a Microsoft tool where I store all my Microsoft code in my Microsoft VS Code editor, and <laughs> I'm going to deploy it to, well, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't think we host anything on Microsoft servers, but you could, depending on the yeah. type of work you work on. You know, I mean, good for them. I think I think I more came at it from like starting with the arts, the art side of it, like mm. art image generators and stuff where real artists are saying like, they're showing like, look, this, this is the training set for open AI. It has my art in it. There's no, my art is not public. It's not, you know, open source, yeah. it's my art. Um, and like, clearly they were not supposed to be taking it, but they were, um, I think Adobe just, there was like a thing today of like, people are saying that Adobe is now scanning anything you put in their cloud storage, even if it's private mm-hmm. and using that as training data. I think those ones are a little iffy code. I'm a little less like precious about open source code being used for training data. I think like that's kind of the point of it. That's kind of like a good thing. And it's just code, you know, it's not, it's not art, it's code. It's not poetry. It's just code. I think that maybe later it might not feel that way when it starts like creating code that is high level strategic, like high level strategy, you know, Mm -hmm. eventually it's going to get there where it's going to be able to like, not think, but maybe think, but you know, like, the way machine learning is, where it's able to think about a better approach to doing something. Now that, that is like art. That is creativity at play within code. So how would you feel if you tried to do something and it says, no, this is, here's a better way. And it's able to come up with the entire like setup for how you should approach something. And it's learning that from like other repos. I mean, at some point, you're going to be able to say, this is my business. Here's some products I sell. Make an entire website. And ChatGPT will write the copy. And, you know, Copilot will write the theme. And, what you know, and so on. Midjourney and, and will make the design. Make the de- Exactly. And it'll all come together. And it'll just be another website that looks just like the websites many of us build on a day-to-day basis, which, you know, the point of the website is to just say like, look, I'm a real company with a real website. That's kind of the, the goal it serves, you know? Yeah. I mean, at that point, when the machine starts saying, well, you know, only 1% of your customers are, you know, color impaired or visually impaired. So we're actually recommending not to have accessibility features because, you know, 
mathematically, mm-hmm. it's actually a waste of computing power. And like, it's like that paperclip optimizer thing where it's like, right. it's so optimized that suddenly it's like, you know, we, we don't think we can do that because we think it's smarter to be, you know, not accessible yeah. or so, you know, so I, I could see us getting to a place where the ethical concerns start feeling a little more clear. Yeah. I don't know, but we're not there yet. So I'm just going to keep using it. Yeah, definitely. And maybe we can try to make it so those ethical concerns are not as bad if we discuss it and as a community and try to be more conscious of the kind of code we're writing. But you're right, you know, um, at some point the human, like if we train it to think certain things are just not valuable, then it's not going to tell us that. And if it doesn't tell us that, then people will, it's like, a, it's like an echo chamber, right? Like the same thing keeps happening again and again, and it's really hard to break that cycle. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep using it. I mean, I, I really like it. <laughs> I ask one question about it. Yeah. Do you think since it's increasing your productivity, do mm-hmm. you worry about it in the long run, decreasing your compensation? Like, you know, like I'm now creating more work for the same price or, you know, that's, that's mm. always the developer's kind of conundrum. It's like the better you get at developing, the faster you right. do things, you know, that that's always kind of a problem, but this definitely seems to amp it up a little bit. Also the whole hourly versus value driven pricing thing, very similar. Yeah. Cause yeah. now because of this in less time, you can create more, which changes a lot of expectations. Hmm. I think that if this allows us to save time doing the mundane and makes us, forces us to think more about writing better code in the long run, it's a good thing, but it's probably going to be painful in practice for a lot of people at first. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be my answer. I agree. I think the expectations of what you can do to be a programmer are only going to get, like, it sounds like it's making your job easier, but it's definitely requiring, I think, a higher level of engagement or experience or something. And that's, that's definitely going to affect things. Yeah. Like in a way it's making the barrier to entry lower, but that also means you have to be better if you want to grow and stand out more, right? Because anyone can use ChatGPT or freaking Copilot to write some write a tiny little plugin. I did it the other day just as, just for fun with ChatGPT actually. And but if you want to be more intentional or want to stand out, you're going to have to be more strategic about your code, something that they can't, like the AI can't do, but only you can do. So I think in in some ways it's going to force us to be better the way like Squarespace and Wix forced bespoke developers to be better in some ways. Maybe. I, we didn't even get into the idea of the fact that WordPress in many ways is eliminating the need for coding at all. Like you can get a lot further without writing code in a WordPress oh, yeah. site than you could. That's a whole nother topic. But oh yes, <laughs> it definitely depends if you're a developer or somebody who builds websites who mm-hmm. maybe did not jump on like the Elementor train, but like probably would consider jumping on the Gutenberg train 
you know, mm -hmm. as it's going to be like an Elementor that's actually like open source and, and, and free maybe. Yeah. That's definitely going to be an episode we do. <laughs> so stay tuned. That's a great yeah. teaser. It's a great teaser to end on. That is. Well, um, I think that's a pretty intense topic, which we only kind of <laughs> dug into today. That could have been, that could have been a few separate episodes. Definitely. <laughs> One of which just me misgendering robots as the, uh, as the, <laughs> A 20 minute episode. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. I would listen to that episode for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel confident that won't come back to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> so should we end this here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, see you in the next episode, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Visit viewsource.fm for the latest updates and links to the show notes. Review and subscribe to ViewSource in iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.